Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. gotten up in the morning and you've thought to yourself, I have entirely too much to do today. Well, um, I came to the microphone this morning and I said to Paul, could we have like 10 hours today? Because I got a lot to cover. But we're, we only have two. Am I right, Paul? Uh, only two. Sorry. Yeah. All right. I'm going to talk fast. Yeah. All right. So you heard in the, uh, in the headlines there that U.S. oil uh, prices fell below zero yesterday. Um, we are going to talk about that with an oil industry person um, actually a week from today. Uh, one of the things that Nick Pitts does is actually works as a liaison um, with oil industry companies, uh, particularly those who are interested in supporting nonprofit Christian ministries. And so that intersection um, is a significant one. He's going to talk with us about the 10 million Americans who will be directly affected um, as the oil and gas industry directly employs 10 million people in this country. Um, At 10.06 p.m. last night, uh, President Donald Trump tweeted that he would, quote, temporarily suspend immigration. Now, that sounds like a potentially really drastic vow. Um, However, everyone should know that due to the pandemic, almost all visa processing by the State Department, including all immigrant visas, have actually been suspended for several weeks now. And so um, I recognize that there are going to be people who are going to think that that immigration suspension is a blistering headline. In reality, it may just concretize what's already happening um, in terms of the processing of immigration requests during this uh, coronavirus experience. Georgia, Tennessee and South Carolina all announced plans to reopen some businesses. Uh, We will sort of uh, take a a, a wait and see um, approach. There are Still uh, new cases in all of those states. However, Georgia appears to be the one um, that's maybe most in question in terms of its trajectory. And so we're just going to sort of take a wait and see approach to those things. But I do think that for a lot of people, that's a hopeful sign. However, new um, polling out yesterday by Axios indicates that, that most Americans are actually kind of afraid to return to work, kind of afraid to reopen the economy. And so there is this there are these dual tensions, right? The fear of the coronavirus and the fear of uh, economic collapse, both of these things. So the, the fear of not returning to work and the fear of returning to work. So let's just be mindful of that. Um, fear is is real. Some of it is rational. Most of it, all of it just needs to be placed at the uh, at the feet of Jesus. And we need to be people who are sober minded and have good judgment in the midst of all of this. There are protests and demonstrations going on across the country. Um, You're going to hear a lot about the protest to reopen the economy in certain states. You may hear very little about the protest happening in New York City. There are gay pride protesters demonstrating outside of the Samaritan's Purse field hospitals. Um, Not very many news outlets covering this, but we need to be covering it in prayer Um, because, uh, you know, that's just 
hey, you know, let's not be protesting the helpers. Let's be uh, let's be lifting up the helpers. So in an effort to continue our effort that we started yesterday to goss up, to tell the good news of things that are happening, to be sure that you are pointed in positive directions this morning. Um, I didn't I hadn't heard about the Front Porch Project. So thank you for those of you who sent me the link to that. Several of you sent those emails about the Front Porch Porch Project. You can just Google it in your own area, Front Porch Project. Um, And there's a crowdsourced list of companies that are doing good in the midst of all of this. And there are, it's an overwhelming list. So I just want to highlight one, and that is uh, Shake Shack, because this just happened yesterday. Uh, Shake Shack, it's a a burger and shake joint. Uh, They they announced that... um, other businesses needed money more than right now they need capital, and so they are returning a $10 million uh, loan that they received as a, uh, from, from the SBA, Small Business Administration. Um, and so in order to free up capital for other small businesses that are in greater need than they are, I just think that's really great. Um, here's a story out of Pennsylvania. This one really warmed my heart yesterday as well. The picture is of employees clocking out for the first time in 28 days. So there are more than 40 employees living, who've been living at their manufacturing plant in Pennsylvania. They've been living there for the past 28 days in a marathon effort to make material that's needed for PPE, personal protective equipment, for medical personnel, for healthcare workers. Uh, So they clocked out for the first time in 28 days yesterday. Uh, And so we just want to be lifting up those positive good news stories. Keep those good gossip. We're not gossiping. We're not. uh, This is not gossip. This is not bad stuff. This is this is telling on people who are doing good. Let's be telling on people who are doing good today. Send me your good news stories of your neighbors doing good, um, things that are happening in your own community. You can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Next up, Mark Caleb Smith. He and I are going to talk about the, uh, wow, the reality that we probably need to brace ourselves for uh, the next phase of the coronavirus crisis, which is going to be deeply partisan. Uh, As, you know, people on opposite sides of the aisle react to things and as, um, you know, frankly, Democrats and Republicans experience different realities in many, many ways. So we're going to talk about that next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me again this morning, Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Carmen. How are you doing today? I, I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing well. Everything's going well here in Ohio for the most part. I mean, we just got uh, news yesterday that the rest of our school year is being uh, put off, as we could probably expect happening. And But things are going well in Ohio. I mean, I think we're largely uh, hunkered down and our sheltering in place seems to be working. So we're thankful for good leadership. We talked to Dan DeWitt on Friday, and we believe mm-hmm. he is at peak quarantine. Oh, we think he, so. <laughs> he's like at peak performance, man. He's you, you, yeah. I mean, there are people who are thriving in the midst of this, right? They're they're finding really creative um, outlets for themselves and engaging others. And I just um, I do expect on the other side of this for there to be some things that people have been doing behind the scenes and in these, you know, in this sort of quiet space that some people have. Some of us have no quiet space in the midst of this, but some people do. Um, and I just expect there to be some some things that have happened in, you know, in labs and in libraries that none of us, I mean, like home libraries, but that none of right. us could anticipate because we can't see it happening. But I really do expect there to be a bit of a renaissance after this. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, a 
exceedingly hopeful person. Um, I hope you're right. I mean, imagine maybe a great novel, great screenplays, great lots of things being written. This is an interesting time. It'll be fun to watch. And a solution to the divisions in the nation. I hope that's what you're working on uh, behind the scenes, right? You have the uh, the solution here at the intersection of politics and COVID-19. Um, wow, it just feels, it actually feels more partisan, not less. You know, whenever you think of major events kind of shaping a country or uh, shaking a culture to its core, you wonder what the political fallout's going to be, whether it's one of those events that kind of just changes everything, you know, reshuffles the whole deck and there's just a new reality. Um, and part of me was hoping that this coronavirus maybe would pull us together and cause us to rethink a few things. Um, but, you know, I mean, think back to even something like 9-11. There was that thought then as well, that maybe we would start to rethink some of our divisions after 9-11. That didn't happen and surely right now, it doesn't look like this uh, pandemic is going to have any kind of an effect either. It seems like we've all interpreted the pandemic from the perspective of our partisan commitments. And so it's just really further entrenched things, I think, more than anything else, which is a bit disappointing, at least for me. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing for me as well. Um, so um, we have the president um, and then we have state governors. And we also have Congress uh, viewing another wave of relief funding. I don't know. Just just speak into that constellation of relationships um, and just maybe make some observations. Uh, And then in the next segment, I'd love to talk with you about this decision by the Supreme Court uh, that was handed down on Monday. Well, in some ways, you know, it's regrettable that this whole thing happened during an election year. Uh, The stakes already felt so high for the 2020 Uh, fall election because of President Trump and the polarization in our country. And uh, you you kind of hope that maybe this pandemic would at least force us to put that on the back burner. But I think it's pretty obvious that when you look at the president's behavior, again, agree with him or disagree with him, when you look at the behavior of Democrats in Congress, agree with them or disagree with them either way, um, all their actions, most of their actions, I should say, appear to be shaped by the upcoming election. Uh, What can we do to either strengthen our our role in November or to weaken our opponents for November? It seems to be very little discussion about what do we need to do for the country? How can we come together to maybe solve a problem? Um, It's more, well, how do we pack something in this bill that will help us or will hurt our opponent? And it just isn't a very healthy approach. I mean, uh, I, I was really hoping that our leaders would bind together a little bit better Uh, Maybe have joint press conferences, maybe talk together and communicate together publicly, try to put a good face on this and try to work together as much as possible to get a few things done. But that's just not happening. Um, And part of that division, as you mentioned, is the division between the federal government and the state governments. So we have a divided federal government to some extent. We have uh, state governments, which vary so much in terms of their partisanship as well. They also vary in terms of how they've handled this crisis. And I think for many people, it's frustrating because they want the federal government to take over and they want it to do things. But they have to remember, we're not designed to really work that way. You know, we're a federal republic, which means those states have a lot of independent authority. Um, And though it can be frustrating sometimes, I think in this case, you're seeing how it's actually worked out pretty well. You know, Ohio tackled it early. Other states have taken different directions, like Georgia appears to be. And sometimes that variety of approaches is actually positive, uh, even though it may feel a little bit frustrating. I'm talking to Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Um, We're talking about things at the intersection of 
politics and COVID-19. We're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, there's a Supreme Court ruling issued on Monday that you need to know about if you have not yet uh, heard about it. It actually brings all 50 states into, you know, to the same point in terms of jury verdicts. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Returning to my conversation with Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. Um, so, Mark, tell us what happened. Uh, what is the Supreme Court ruling that is, it's just it's it's a really important one. It's probably the most important Supreme Court ruling we've had in a while. Tell us what happened. Yeah, yesterday the Supreme Court handed down a decision in a case called Ramos versus Louisiana, and it requires um, all states to have a unanimous jury verdict uh, when a serious criminal matter is being contested and, and tried in front of a jury. And I'm sure for some people listening, it's rather shocking to think that that wasn't already the case. Uh, I think we just kind of assume, well, of course, you know, if you're convicted by a jury, it's got to be unanimous verdict. That's just the way that it goes. Uh, but, you know, you and I were talking just a few minutes ago about how our system of government allows for some variety at the state level. Um, and some of that variety has been for the last, uh, you know, 100 plus years. Uh, Oregon and Louisiana allowed for a 10 to 2 jury verdict to convict people, even of serious offenses like murder, which was uh, convicted in Ramos's case. Um, and so the court handed down a decision yesterday that basically overturns Oregon and Louisiana's position on this and requires the states to have a uniform standard. Uh, there's a long sort of constitutional argument about why the court did this, but it's mostly rooted in the 14th Amendment, uh, which requires states to provide due process to everyone. And the court said that due proce uh, process should include a unanimous jury. An interesting decision, uh, interesting breakdown in the opinions. If you look at it, we have conservative and liberal justices on both sides. Uh, of this and the majority and in the dissent. Um, but uh, Justice Gorsuch wrote the opinion, and it's, and it's really interesting and, and fun to read. Okay. So, well, you know, fun to read. You're, I'm, we're glad you're reading it. Um, super <laughs> glad. Okay. So you um, you said something there that, I, that, that piques my curiosity. Um, you actually said that you think people are going to be surprised that this right. is not already the standard across the country, um, that a unanimous verdict in relationship to you know, let's let's say just really serious crimes, um, murder topping the list um, right. or aggravated murder even um, or capital murder. Like those seem like those should be unanimous. But I'm not sure, uh, Mark, that everybody actually feels that way. I, I think that there are just a lot of people who think that, um, you know, there may be one person on that jury who's just on the wrong side of everything and, you know, right. is, is just never going to convict anybody of anything or, you know, thinks right. that anarchy is the right way to go or whatever. Talk with yeah. us about why the bar to convict is so high, because there's a theology behind that. Yeah, I mean, there is. I mean, the, the bar to convict is, is so high because we want to make it very unlikely that people are wrongly convicted. Uh, in other words, our system is set up to make it very difficult to convict someone of a serious crime. Uh, you know, the burden of proof is beyond a reasonable doubt idea is really difficult for the state to overcome. Um, and so the system is structured in such a way uh, to really kind of give the benefit of the doubt to the person being charged with the crime. So you require unanimous jury verdict. You require this beyond a reasonable doubt standard. And that means then when we actually say we've convicted someone, we should feel confident that that conviction actually reflects reality. 
when you start to dilute that and when you start to say, well, we're going to have a split jury verdict or we're going to go with a lower standard of evidence, let's say, like clear and convincing as opposed to beyond a reasonable doubt, what you're actually doing is making it easier for the state to convict people. And that might make us feel good in some way because we want to see justice um, instituted. But I think for us to be fully confident in the justice that comes through, you need to make it hard for the state to do things. You know, by doing that, you actually protect the most vulnerable members of your society. You know, people who don't have a lot of money, who don't have a lot of representation, who don't have a lot of resources come into a courtroom and they face the power of the state. Well, it needs to be difficult for the state, in my mind, uh, to bring charges against them and to convict them. Uh, I understand sometimes that bristles and that makes us think, well, man, you know, why are we making it hard for the state to pursue justice? But you know, our system is set up to make that difficult. And I think that's a biblical principle, as you mentioned. Uh, justice throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, God continually reminds the Israelites, you know, give people justice in the courts. Don't show partiality based on wealth, based on who they are. Give them all equal justice before the courts. That's one of the major uh, components of a biblical approach to government. All right, I appreciate you you covering that because I think that for Christians, that's the you know that's sort of the key point of the conversation. It's not just about um, some sort of you know bloodlust related to justice. Right. There right. is a there's a there is a real biblical ethic um, beca- behind the system of law in this country, and therefore um, the way justice is meted out. Let's talk about um, briefly this Pew Research finding that half of Americans say the Bible should influence U.S. laws. That actually means that half of Americans do not think the Bible should influence right. U.S. laws. Um, just just touch on this for us. This this was disturbing to me. Yeah, interesting research out of Pew, as you said. 49% of Americans say that the Bible should have at least some influence uh, or a great deal of influence on laws, which, as you said, means half the country would disagree with that. You know, when you look at the poll, it looks like it breaks down pretty much on expected lines uh, Republicans are more likely to say the Bible should have an influence than Democrats. Older voters are more likely to say uh, that it should have an influence compared to younger voters, for example. Um, and it's a, it's an interesting question. I mean, my only criticism here is that it's difficult to be nuanced in, in a question like this. You know, the mm-hmm. Bible should have influence. Okay, I agree with that, clearly, but what does that exactly mean? Um, you know, the Ten Commandments are, are one of the major foundations of law, in our society. So, of course, the Bible has an influence on our legal structure. But that's different than, say, um, implementing every piece of Christian doctrine and turning it into the legal code, which is a very different kind of question. And so, you know, this heartens me in some ways, because at least shows there's still a significant number of the population that sees the Bible as playing a big role. Uh, But it also frustrates me a bit because it doesn't provide really much latitude to have a sophisticated conversation about it. So here were some of the questions that I sort of like wrote for my own reflection when I was reading this research. On what should a system of justice be based? Right. Yep. Um, who decides what is just and therefore unjust, legal and therefore illegal, moral and therefore immoral? Like what? what's the standard of that going to be? Yeah, and I, then what's the relationship between yeah, I, espoused beliefs and beliefs in practice? So those were some of my like just like, you know, these are the questions that reading this kind of research provokes in me. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think those are great questions. I mean, the question for me ultimately is, do we want a standard that's outside of ourselves? You know, are we comfortable with saying there's a standard outside of me 
that defines what's right and what's wrong and what the law ought to look like. I think that's really the question that drives this to some extent. Many people in America would say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with a transcendent standard, whether it comes from God, whether it comes from some other source. I think it should be my decision driving what the law looks like, uh, whereas I'm obviously very comfortable with it. I think that uh, the Bible uh, is absolute truth. I think that absolute truth should affect the way that we view the law, and that stands in judgment outside of me and outside of every other human. But it's this really fundamental divide over uh, what truth is and what justice is and where they come from. Okay, so if you extrapolate that out, that every person is going to decide for themselves what the standard what the standard is for right. morality, for legality, for justice, um, then aren't we living I mean, ultimately in a state of anarchy? Yeah, I mean, no question. And I, I don't think there are many people who would go to that extreme. You know, certainly there are a few, but there aren't many who would go to that extreme. But we don't even think think to that conclusion. You know, we just think, well, my feelings are what matter. My feelings define truth. They don't think through what that means for society as a whole necessarily. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of where you end up with lots of forms of relativism. Uh, they don't lead necessarily to deep and sophisticated thinking. It's more about satisfying the needs that I have at hand, uh, which I'm, I'm afraid describes a pretty big chunk of our culture, at least right now. Yeah, I think this is one of those conversations that ultimately comes down to autonomy or authority, like, you know, yep. and where we are in the mix of all of that. All right. I just love talking with you. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us, sorting through things with us, uh, helping us think more deeply about the things that are in front of us each and every day. Mark Caleb Smith, he's at Cedarville University, um, and he's probably wearing a bow tie. I am wearing a bow tie. Thanks, Carmen. Oh, it's always so fun good. to talk to you. You're <laughs> such a good man to get dressed for the interview on the radio. I just so appreciate it. It's excellent. All right. Thanks, man. We'll be right back. Okay, it is Taste and See Tuesday, and we are going to taste and see that the Lord is good. So my next guest is the author of Eat, Pie, Love, How a Mom Discovers Her Purpose and Encouraging Others Through Successful Pie Baking. So, you know, that's going to be fun. There's been a big shift that has taken place in the midst of the uh, coronavirus, and that is that the whole country is now eating at home. So we need to know how to make a meal plan and make a meal and, well, bake a pie. So I'm having this fun conversation up next on Taste and See Tuesday. We'll be right back. What's your perspective on discipline? Are you trying to uphold the rules or keep your kid from getting hurt? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Think of it this way. Discipline is helping your child get to a place where they want to be and keeping them from a place where they don't want to end up. Before you get embroiled in a blowout with your teen, make a plan ahead of time. It'll help you keep your cool and stay focused on the goal. Don't lose sight of the underlying purpose. Remember, discipline is helping your child get to a place where they want to be and keeping them from a place where they don't want to end up. There's more from Mark Gregston on the Parenting Today's Teens website. Get helpful tips for moms and dads when you visit ParentingTodaysTeens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store.
So it is Taste and See Tuesday. How are you going to taste and see that the Lord is good? And how are you going to make Christ known to others in the breaking of the bread? Maybe you will make it known to them in the baking of the bread. Are you a baker? Um, so I was talking to my mom yesterday. I have a, I have a desire for more and more people to know the things that I learned at my grandmother's uh, apron and apron strings and at my mom's side. Like, I, I desire for other people to um, be raised by the women who raised me. I, I know that's a crazy thing to say, but um, I just really feel like I I cultivated an understanding that feeding your family not only well, but beautifully, um, consistently, um, joyfully actually creates an atmosphere in your home um, where the spirit is not only welcome, but but present. And so what are you baking these days? I have a neighbor. Her name is Nisi, and she baked her um, really, really out-of-this-world brownies for our family this week. I want to just give her a little shout-out today. Thank you, Nisi. Um, I want to lift up again the uh, Project Cupcake of Sweet Mondays. There's all kinds of ways that you can engage right now to help others taste and see that the Lord is good. Joining me right now to help us taste and see that the Lord is good is Tara Royer-Steele. She's the author of Eat Pie Love. Tara, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi. Thanks. So glad to be here. All right. This is just really so fun. So in this book, you're going to you know share lessons learned over time. I like this little, uh, this little, I don't know, sentence. I'm going to call it a sentence. It's a math sentence anyway. <laughs> one dash of love plus one heaping scoop of grace equals life sweeter than pie. Talk, talk with us about yes. this project and, um, and just, just this life of, um, of loving people in this, in this particularly tangible way. Mm. <laughs> this whole season, um, or the last month, obviously, um, how I thought um, eat pie love and loving people and serving people through pie is looking totally different. Um, (laughs) We, you know, this, this came from me being in our family business, growing up in it for over 30 years and having no idea how to make pie. Um, God totally picked us, picked pie for us. And, um, and through that business, I, it was all about the relationships. I think that's the thing my always that my dad always said. It's not about the food; it's about the relationships. And so, um, we um, have I, you know, I just I feel like the pie would get people in the door, and then it would give us the connection to talk about Jesus. It created this like safe place, um, food just brings people together and there's this connection um, and people seem to let their guard down. I'm not sure what it is about food that people let their guard down, but they do. And, and um, so I wrote a book and I share recipes and the devotions, it's a devotional and, um, and it's all about my life experiences growing up in the restaurant business. Um, so anyways, it's, it's, it's been um <laughs> I'm so grateful for the timing. It's not exactly how I planned it to look like <laughs> a book tour or book launch, but um, we're now getting to serve people because we're not really baking pies now um, because our businesses have closed or we are only curbside and people don't really just drive out to the country for just pie. 
So we um, okay. We so we're gonna give a little. So we should give a little shout out right now. Yep. People who need to get outside, right? They need to go do something, <laughs> right? They need a little. I mean, are the blue bonnets uh, blooming yet yeah. in Texas? Okay, so oh, yeah. I'm guessing it's, it's that a drive out time. to I'm guessing that a drive out to Brenham um, is really beautiful yes. right now. Am I right? It is. It is. And you need to get out right? of the city. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be my shout out for now. What? Uh, give us a little. Give us a little Texas geography because everything's bigger and bigger in Texas. Yes. Um, Brenham is is you know what would be smack a major dab. city smack dab in the middle. Houston, so you're, Austin, so College you're, Station, oh, all College of it. Station. Hey, um, Philip Bethencourt, you need to get all those church people in uh, in College Station to head out there to Brenham and get some pie. All right. So um, Royer's Pie Haven is that where we're sending them, or do they need to go to Royer's so, Round Top Cafe? Can they do either one? I know. And then I'm going to add another one to the mix. So, yes, they can Good. go to the Pie Haven and get pie and Round Top. And they can go out to Round Top and eat at the, or get pie, uh, food to go at the cafe. But so our commercial kitchen is what's in Brenham. And it wasn't open to the public. And right before this happened, you know, we were, should be having our antique show, which is like, you know, Round Top, Texas, Brenham. We're talking town of 80 people, town of 16,000 people. So, when antique week happens, it lasts for us for nearly a, a month. And um, so we had like 2000 pies in the freezer ready to go. And then we're like, okay, everything got canceled. So we're standing in our commercial kitchen going, what the heck are we going to do? So we started creating meals for families that anyone can afford. And that's our goal is that most people can afford the meals and it included a dessert and, and then, of course, all the mothers and dads are like, praise Jesus, we're working from home and we have our children and you don't want to go to the grocery store. So they can just drive out and they just all you have to do is text me and say, hey, I want a meal today and you come and get it. And so that, that awesome. is what has been sustaining us and bringing people that had no idea about this property, which we hadn't made public. But now it's very public. And we're so excited for what God's doing with this land. It's actually seven seven acres and it's called all things acres too so it's it's pretty awesome to see how god is sh how his shifting and um we've pivoted in this business and it's like oh this is where we're gonna go now you know it, it just feels really awesome tara give us um the best the best one stop uh, place to go online because we have people listening right now all over the country. They can't drive to Brenham today, but they might be able yeah. to um, buy somebody else a pie. I don't know. I don't know how it might work, sure. but give us give us somewhere online that people can go. Well, the easiest thing to do is just go to my website, TaraRoyerSteel.com, because it links you to everything. Perfect. That's what we want. Tara Royer, R-O-Y-E-R, Steel, S-T-E-E-L-E. So Tara Great. Royer Steele, I will um, I will push that out on all of my socials as well. Here's um here's one quick You're question awesome, I want to ask you. In yeah. my house, um, uh, pie uh, is only considered sweet. I, however, grew up in a family mm. where savory pie, like right, like oh, quiche really? or or yeah. you know like chicken pot pie, right, all kinds right. of varieties of pot pie, um, uh, where you know pot pie was a thing. Like, talk with us a little bit about the savory and the sweet approach to pie. Yeah, so when we opened our pie haven, we we're like, okay, we can't just have sweet pie. Um, and my dad said, hey, here's this amazing res recipe for chicken margarita pizza pie. Mm. So 
right? And um, we have this amazing herb mix. So we normally put it in butter. And my husband was like, hey, what if we put this herb mix in the crust? And so mm. in the crust, we put herbs. And so we have like the chicken margaritas, mozzarella, tomatoes, basil, and chicken. Um, and it's so warm and comfy. It's, I mean, it's like a casserole, but even better because it's baked in a pie crust with herbs. Um, I just love that. So, Pretty much anything that you yeah. can put on the top of a pizza, you could oh, put in a pie yeah. crust. Right. We so yeah, I think we one have of the a things veggie we wanna... one and a breakfast one. Ooh, the breakfast bacon egg sausage. Sorry, I get oh excited. look at this. If I go to terroroyersteel dot com, I could actually just buy a gift card, which means that helps you as a small business owner. And then later on, mm-hmm. I when I'm you know in the area or think of somebody who lives nearby, like Philip Bethencourt, who just moved to the middle of Texas, like I could send him the gift card, and then he could go use it. Yeah. There's a way. There are ways to support small businesses right now. Um, I am talking with Tara Royer Steele. We're supposed to be talking about her book. Um, which, I know. There's so you know, many things we should, can talk about. So fun. Eat pie. Love. Um, When we come Mm -hmm. back, I'm going to tell Tara um, an experience that I had at a church where um, I think that people could discover that there's not just pie in the sky. There's actually pie at church if we helped equip and empower Mm -hmm. them to think that way. We'll be right back. We are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good on this Taste and See Tuesday. Our guest is Tara Royer-Steele. She's the author of Eat Pie Love. The one-stop shopping website that you want to visit is TaraRoyerSteel.com. You can check out the book. You can also uh, you can also check out all things Acres. You can check out Royer's Pie Haven, um, and you can shop. There you go. I like the shopping. It's like super fun shopping part. You guys are also shipping now, which is totally fun to learn. Okay. So I had an experience, Tara. I think that, you know, as a Christian, we're always hoping that there are ways to help people um, who are not Christians understand that we are not just pie in the sky people. We actually think there's pie right here, right now. Like Jesus has come. The kingdom has been instituted. It is possible to uh, to see at least glimpses and get a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven right here and right now. But many of our yeah. churches are not necessarily um, welcoming visitors in a way that helps them, like, see that there's pie right now. And so mm-hmm. I was visiting a church in Indiana, and that's actually what they give first-time visitors. They give them a homemade apple pie. Are you kidding me? Right. And so I said, I mean, I like, I know. And I like stood up and I said, I'm like, okay, this is so great. Like people in the world need to know there's pie at church, not just pie in the sky, but like pie at church. So there you go. There's an outreach opportunity. Maybe there's a church that would partner with you and you could just supply their welcome pies. I don't know. That's an outreach opportunity. I love that. All I do is come up with ideas. I don't actually do anything other than talk. So, um, but (laughs) But I love the book. I love um, I love the recipes. I love that you share your own artwork. Why don't we um, Why don't we just pivot for just a moment and tell us um, how how we across the country can be praying for you as a small business owner, particularly one in the in the restaurant uh, business, because we all recognize that life got really hard. And so, just tell us yeah. how we can pray for you. Okay, well, now I'll get emotional, and that's fine. I do say cry harder. Um, Man, friends, thanks. Just even offering that is so kind. Um, I have to go to, I go to work, work's different now, 
And thankfully, I knew what it was like to work 60-hour weeks, you know, and on your feet all day cooking food. And I'm so excited what we get to do. But uh, if you if hedge is a protection around our kids and the people that we come in contact with, um, just to continue to pray over all our employees, I'm so grateful that we get to keep employing them um, and that they have a still have a job um, and that we would um, be leaders, but also real and let them see that, man, this is hard. And we're right alongside them in these trenches. Um and that we're just so grateful for them because sometimes, like, Mondays really stink, okay? I'll just be real honest. We, everyone ha- comes to work and they're all, like, so grateful, like, oh, thank goodness I got to sleep for a day. And, but then we come back together on Mondays and we are not cheery people together. So, um, today would be awesome if we go to work and it's a day full of love and grace. And, and, um, I just pray for all the, I, I, I guess that's just it. Just pray for our hearts. And that I would not join into any of the negativity. Yes, I can. I want to be real and know that life is hard and it stinks. And I can have my emotions and sit in those emotions for a while, but I don't want to stay there. Um, and that I would just really learning to just put a praise on all of it instead of wah, wah, wah. But I'm like, I'm going to put a praise on this. Um, and just keeping my eyes on Jesus and that it's, that that's it, that I keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm not in this to make money. Yes. We need money to keep the things going. Right. But I'm, I'm in here to love people. And, um, the group, even that we started for all of this is called feed as people. And so I have to focus on not numbers and just that if one person walks to the door, that that one person knows Jesus or gets to see the glimpse, like you say, taste and see. So they would see a glimpse of Jesus and that I would stay in that um, posture. Well, can we pray and for I you? would be an example. Yes, sure. Father, I thank you so much for my sister, Tara. I thank you for um, the life in which you are leading her by faith. I thank you for the opportunities you give her each and every day to glorify you. We do pray protection around her family and her heart and her mind. We pray protection over her employees. We pray alongside Tara that as she is keeping it real, um, that she would also just be filled with praise, that she'd be walking with you, that you would redeem Mondays, um, and, and that, Father, you would continue, you would just continue to pour out your love through her um, as she is feeding your sheep and tending your lambs and making a place at the table for people who um, wondered whether or not they were welcome there. So we want to thank you for Tara. We want to thank you for um, her being with us today and simply ask your hand of blessing upon her and her family on this day. Amen. Tara, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, I do want to tell everybody really quickly, if I can, that if they go to the website and order a book, there's free, if they enter the code eat pie love, the shipping is free. So you know, I want free shipping to with the code eat free shipping. I love. I love. love that. Yeah. Thanks so much. Tara you're Royer Steel is the website that you're looking for. TaraRoyerSteel.com. We'll be right back. Okay, I've got a tale of two governors um, at the top of the next hour. We're going to talk about uh, the faith expressed by the governor of Texas, and we are going to talk about the way in which the governor of New York has actually just publicly mocked God. 
Um, we're going to juxtapose that at the opening of the next hour. I want to close today um, with this observation. Today is Israel's Holocaust Remembrance Day. And Holocaust Remembrance Day is one of the most solemn dates on the Israeli calendar. Survivors typically attend remembrance ceremonies and share their stories with, uh, with you know, emerging generations. Obviously, none of that's happening today. There are some 180,000 Holocaust survivors living in Israel and about 180,000 Holocaust survivors living in the rest of the world. Um, they're obviously an aged and aging population. And so uh, the annual Remembrance Day is really significant. This year, one of the things that you will find online are these uh, individuals actually acknowledging how similar this coronavirus experience is um, to what life was like for them during World War II, um, where they were alone, very afraid, um, unknown to others. And so this let me encourage you to, um, to, to be mindful today of the past and um, to those who have survived trauma and all kinds of horrible isolation and the lessons that we might learn and the perspective that might give us on the days in which we now live. It is Taste and See Tuesday. Let us taste and see that the Lord is good and let us uh, help to make Christ known to others in the breaking of the bread. So I want you to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God today, an agent of his grace. Find a unique way to reach out to others so that they don't just think that there's pie in the sky. Like that's not what Christianity is about. It's not just pie in the sky. There is actually an opportunity right here and right now to um, have a foretaste of kingdom living. We can live by those principles and we can share the good news of the gospel with others. It is redemptive. Easter is real. He has risen. He has risen indeed. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.